Welcome to this week's uh, edition of the Sports Block Podcast, the post-Memorial Day edition. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend and co-host of this fine podcast, Mr. Travis Crins. Alongside me, Travis, how are you? How was your long extended weekend, if you had one? It was very hot, 90-95 degrees. Gross. Wasn't air, uh, wasn't, it wasn't nothing, it was all that humid, uh, it wasn't... It wasn't unbearable. I was outside for a time. It wasn't terrible. You get in the shade a little bit. It wasn't bad. But uh, as the hottest, uh, one of the hottest Memorial Days ever, uh, uh, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Twin Cities. Yep. Monday was 100 degrees in Minneapolis. That's the earliest it's ever been 100 degrees in Minneapolis. It was May 31st, 1934 was the older record, and yesterday was May 28th, so it was three days earlier than the previous one that was set 85 years ago. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, and you get the heat and the humidity involved, and that's not, that's not good. It's not fun. Um, I mean, yeah, well, like the first, like Memorial Day apparently became a federal holiday in 71, and this was the first time that, like, Sioux Falls area, a lot of areas had 90 degrees. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, ninety plus degrees all three days of the weekend. Really, so it, was, it was the hottest, literally the hottest that, that we have on record. Well, gee dang, gosh darn, uh, that's that's pretty insane. Uh, let's yeah. see what else. You know what else is insane? I I don't know how we got to Warriors Cavs out of the garbage that came out. I mean, yes, granted, we got two game sevens. Uh, uh, you know, in the Eastern and the Western Conference, that's fine and everything. But these series were just terrible, didn't you think? I mean, just, just uh, like I guess Houston, Golden State had a couple of decent games, but I mean, for the most part, th- there was just some serious garbage in these series. Uh, they weren't very good. Teams didn't play well. Uh, what Golden State held Houston under a hundred points, I think, for the last five games of that series. So that was a surprise. Uh, the game sevens, uh, I thought the Boston and Cleveland game seven was atrocious to watch. I thought that brought me back to like 2003 <laughs> Eastern Conference Nets Pistons 75 72 type thing. You're watching the game and you're thinking, is anybody going to score 80 points here? Was that the best um, you had ever seen LeBron? Because Ty Lu, the no, Cavs head coach, says yeah. that's the best he's ever seen. And I guess, granted, for the, for the moment and just all around the state of the team. I mean, he played really well. Didn't score 40, but what, 35 points? What, ten? like 15 rebounds, 9 assists, a couple of big blocks. Played all 48 minutes. I mean, you can't do much more than what he did in that game. I think it's the third best thing he's done in his career. Uh, first was winning the title a couple of years ago against Golden State. Yep. Um, the other one was was it the first year he made the finals? It was what he scored. What he scored like 25, 28 straight points against Detroit. Oh yes, yes. I, I would put that probably number two. Uh, not necessarily this game seven performance, but just getting the team to the finals down two zero. Boston never lost. Were they thirty seven and zero in series all time? And this was not a you know a great Boston team by any means. New. I thought he should have been more aggressive at the beginning because, I mean, he was throwing it to guys and they were decent looks at times and guys were shooting and guys were not making shots. 
and I'm waiting for him. Like, dude, this is game seven. What the hell are you waiting for? And uh, so my, my one gripe would be he wasn't aggressive enough. Said my one gripe over him, over his career. He's not aggressive enough. He doesn't drive to the basket enough. He settles for jump shots and these fadeaway jumpers that he's not very good at mm-hmm. too much, I would say. But, yeah, I'm saying it was the best I've ever seen. I mean, it's, you could, I mean, whole playoffs, I mean, anything less than a triple-double, you know, not. I mean, his average, uh, I don't know what it is, but I would imagine he's, you know, anything less than 35, 10, and 10, being off night. Uh, it's 34 points he's averaging in the playoffs. That's tied for with Michael Jordan for the most all-time like headed into an NBA Finals. So that's pretty remarkable there. Um, yeah, I mean, there just wasn't much. The, the, the Cavs, they're LeBron or bust, and unfortunately for LeBron and company, they aren't going to do jack uh, in the NBA Finals. If they get a game, they would be fortunate. And the reason why I say that is because... Golden State could not have played any worse against in this series against Houston than what they did. Uh, I mean, Kevin Durant didn't have a great series, and I, I get. Let me let me ask you this here. I think you know the, that Rockets fans are going to say, "Well, if we had Chris Paul, we would win Game Six and Seven. And my retort to that would be, you might not have even gotten to a Game Six or Game Seven if Andre Iguodala had been able to play the latter half of the series because he was the best defensive player for Golden State. I think he would have been able to thwart, you know, the likes of James Harden and um, and you know Chris Paul. I think so. I think that yes, Rockets fans have an argument there to a degree, but Warriors fans can say this series never should have gotten that far if Iguodala could have played. I was very happy that Chris Paul got hurt. I don't like Chris Paul. Um, I don't like James Harden, so I'm glad he's gone too. uh, I don't have strong opinions on James Harden, but Chris Paul, uh, I'm glad he did the shimmy, and I'm glad he tore his goddamn hamstring. I think it was the same game, uh, or the next game. I I think it was the same game. I was very happy with that. Uh, cocking off like that, and uh, you don't get to play in the biggest game you'll ever play in. So, um, Houston uh, was up seventeen in Game Six. Yes, they were up after the first quarter. They were up fifteen points uh, in Game Seven the other night, and they uh, both lost both games in convincing, convincing fashion. So, they have nothing to gripe about. There was some bad officiating there as well, but uh, there was a point in, in Game Six from being down seventeen to what being up. 30. Yeah. They outscored Houston by 47 points. Yep. In a 30 minute period of that game. That's domination. Then uh, you look at Monday night. They were down, what, 15? And they were then up almost, you know, 12, 15. That was a 27 point turnaround. So. And it's the third quarter in which they do it. The Warriors, I mean, yep. it's almost automatic that they are just a different team. They come out and they blitz teams right away in the third quarter. And it's really like the, no team can figure out a way to stop it. But why can't they do it in the first half? Because they're putting themselves in the situation where they have to put together these runs in the third quarter. And Curry has said lack of focus, which is bad. Uh, Draymond Green kind of said they let game two. They lost by 22 points. They just kind of let that slip away. They didn't really care much because they'd already gotten a game in Houston and they were going back home. So that's not exactly what I would like to hear from a team like this. But um, they ended up winning it and they flipped the switch. 
if, if they play this bad, I think Cleveland can maybe win two. I don't think Cleveland's winning on the road in this one. Um, everybody's saying a five-gamer. Like last year, that's probably what's going to happen. I'm hoping I mean, for a four-gamer. I would, I would prefer this. I would, I would have preferred both of these series to end in like five games and get this goddamn thing over with. And I would prefer a sweep as well, get this goddamn thing over with. You want to get to your days. baseball. Huh? You want to get to your baseball. Or baseball or whatever. I mean, we know what's going to happen here. We're pretty sure we know what's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be another loss for LeBron and another title for Golden State. And uh, I would say I'm in the minority here, but I would pref- I don't want to see any other series beside this. I don't want to see Boston. I sure shit don't want to see Houston in the deal. Houston, not not great. Yep. Uh, for, for my liking, I want to see the best player against the best team. It's the fourth year in a row. Uh, there's nobody in the East. I'd rather see. And there's nobody in the West uh, either. So I'm fine with it being the fourth year in a row. I would argue, and we'll get into this, uh, the, the Stanley Cup final uh, talk as well here, That, and I have a couple other thoughts on the Western Conference, but I would argue that the Vegas-Washington Stanley Cup final is far more compelling than Act 4 of sure. Cleveland and Golden State, because we... Uh, we know what's going to happen, or we believe we know what's going to happen, unless somehow Kevin Love and company just come out of nowhere, and and uh, Kevin Durant, St- uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green all tear ACLs in Game One. Uh, we know what's going to happen with Golden with with this series, and it's it's just not it's not competitive. At least with Washington and Vegas, you have two teams fighting for their first Stanley Cup. The storylines are there. It's just. You don't know what's going to happen. Is you know in game one it was great, but uh, I mean I just think that if you're looking for a truly compelling series, it's got to be Vegas and Washington. And I say that with a bit of bias, but I mean come on, this is just it's Act Four, and it's not going to get any better than it was what two years ago. Well, I would say most years you could. I mean, the, this is the biggest saver I think ever. Yeah, NBA Finals. They're a thousand, like a thousand to one. Like you, they're they're minus yeah. a thousand. Or ten if to you one. want to bet, ten to one. Yeah, minus, uh, yeah. Basically, ten to one are the odds. Ten to one odds, and it's the most on record, and they're probably the, the biggest. You know, biggest in fifteen it, years, I think, is what I saw. Yeah, and then back then uh, the records are you know even, but there's nothing comparable to to this. I can't remember in in modern times. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Vegas, I hope Vegas wins. I think Vegas is going to win. They've been very good at home. They got, I think, the better goaltender. A lot of goals were scored, so that was fun to see. Uh, disappointing, the game was on the same night as Game 7, so I did not really care to see the hockey as much. Even though the game, I don't know if they'll have a better game than that all series long. Right. So, yeah, the hockey, the hockey usually is, is more compelling, closer, more competitive than uh, the basketball has been. Oh, and if you didn't see their opening act at Vegas, you have to yeah, watch I mean, the video. Like, what? What is so di- I mean, they do this every game, don't they? So what was so different about this one? They do the same with the swords well, and the shit and the fire and the crap. Yeah. They do it every game. I mean, they do, and I I just haven't... Was this just because I this was the finals and people were tuning in for the first time? Oh, shit, look at this. I think... So well, Vegas like, every game. I, I knew that they did this sort of thing, but I, don't, I hadn't really watched the video a whole lot. Or I'd seen maybe clips here and there, but just the theatrics involved in, in 
all of this. And just, I think, because it was a new series, because it's Stanley Cup, you know, they vanquished the Kings, because you could see a King get knocked down. Then they, they, they grounded the Jets. You could see a Jet plane there. And they, who, who they have, like, they, they, Went. They took care of sharks. It just the you know the shooting of the arrows and the catapults and everything. I mean, it's it's great. It's absolutely great stuff. And I hope that more NHL teams do this sort of thing. Uh, some you know the 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 hardcore, the true hockey fans will say, "Oh no, no, they shouldn't do this because you know why do you need all the, the theatrics if you know to go to a hockey game?" Well, damn, you're in the internet, you're like the entertainment capital of the world. You're in Sin City. Why not do this? It gets people talking. It gets them excited. Like, I don't get it. Kudos to the Golden Knights for, for their creativity and, and what they've done. Hey, Wayne Newton the other day going nuts, whatever the hell Wayne Newton was doing. What? You see that? Wayne Newton? You know who Wayne Newton is? What? What are you talking about? Hello? Yeah, there you are. You here. know who Wayne Newton What? I'm here. Do you know who Wayne Newton is? Isn't he like a, a cowboy singer or something like that? Not a Kaiser's nun. He's a Vegas entertainer guy. Okay. He's like 80 years old. He's had 10 facelifts. He did something the other, I think he did something last week when they were playing. He was out there doing whatever the hell they do. So, yeah, he's, they bring out the big stars, obviously, for, for Vegas. Well, they got Lil John on Monday night. Sure. <laughs> big John, Little John, whatever the hell he is, sure. Uh, so we'll get to more of that series here in just a bit, but but back to the playoffs here. Um, a couple other things that really surprised me with this Western Conference final. I mean, this was the de facto NBA Finals. Um, I was very surprised at the defense that Houston played. I didn't know they had that in them. Apparently, Clint Capella is really very good, um, and I saw a little more defense out of Harden than I'm used to seeing. So that was nice. But then the the atrocious shooting in this series. At one point, Houston missed. 27 straight three-pointers in Game 4, or Game 7, excuse me. They were 7 of 44 for the game. The odds of them missing 27 straight, I heard, were 1 in 112,000. I mean, this, like, just, it was just terrible basketball. Like you say, Golden State, they didn't really seem to play all that well. I hope they just take care of business against Cleveland and, and get, I mean, and you could say, oh, I mean, with the way Golden State played against Houston... I mean, maybe Cleveland's got a chance to take a game or two. But Houston's way better than Cleveland. And they're going to play better defense. Cleveland's old. They can't play defense all that great. Uh, I think they're... I don't see there being any way that Golden State shoots as poorly against Cleveland as they did against Houston. Probably not. I would have given Cleveland a bit of a chance if they would have played Houston. Chris Ball. I would have given them a bit of a chance. Maybe they get to game seven. Maybe steal one, steal one on Game Seven again. But uh, yeah, Houston was atrocious shooting this basketball. Uh, Trevor Ariza played all but six minutes and didn't score a point. He was zero for nine. Harden was two of thirteen. Eric Gordon was two of twelve. Uh, what's made basketball fun the past couple of years is all the three pointers and all the points. It's mm-hmm. also made basketball terrible. Um, when when these shots are not going, I mean they were seven of forty four. Yeah, it was it was bad to watch. Um, the dribbles, so so many dribbles, all the dribbles, nothing but dribbles from James Harden. Uh, the flopping, all of the flopping, nothing but flopping. Um, I thought they were trying to outlaw that in the NBA. But so many fouls with Harden flopping, Chris Paul. 
trying to have a seizure on the floor for some reason. It's, it's disgusting to see. Uh, I don't like it. Uh, you had James Harden, you know, flopping around game seven. There was a couple of calls he got screwed on. But when you flop as much as he does, you know, maybe don't do that because sometimes when you actually are fouled, then, then they may not call it. But there was one foul where he literally wasn't touched and they called the foul on somebody from Golden State earlier on in the series. So it's it's infuriating to watch to watch uh, basketball played as poorly as it was played. And then Boston in Game Seven, and you just I think they, I think they just for. stopped playing at the end of the first quarter. Played a twelve minute game. Go ahead. Ugh, terrible. Any other thoughts on the NBA Finals as they approach? Uh, game 1, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern on ABC. That's way too damn late, but uh, whatevs, I guess. What is it, 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock Central Time. Um, but, like, they're going to start these games at 9 o'clock local time in Cleveland. That's ridiculous. No way. No way. Yes. Yes. You shouldn't be. No, not, I'm not. I think there might be one game... Like Sunday, there might be one yeah, game or two where there's like, if they're playing on a Sunday, it might be at eight p.m. Eastern, seven Central yeah, Time. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, any other game, it doesn't matter if it's Golden State or in Cleveland. Uh, Nine yeah. p.m. Eastern starts. That's dumb. You can start these a half hour earlier. Seven thirty would be fine. Seven thirty is a good compromise. Eight o'clock Central. That's a bit ridiculous, right there. Well, I'm thinking uh, more about yeah. the East. Yeah, I mean, it's 9 o'clock. Uh, 8.30 should be, uh, you know, 11.30 yeah. before these games wrap up. So, yeah, that's the finals everybody thought would happen. And uh, depending on where LeBron goes, we'll probably see it again next year, whether mm-hmm. he stays, whether he goes to Philadelphia or wherever else. So, do you NBA. Th- do you think... The, rating, oh, the, ra- the, ratings have been, the ratings have been phenomenal. Yes, they have. The games have been terrible, but the, these ratings have been... Uh, some of the highest they've ever had yeah. on cable, so that's, that's good for them. So, so, like, I think the ESPN game was the second most watched game of all time, or number one as top, yeah. top two for sure. Uh, game seven there. Um, yeah, I just yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Do you think LeBron James has a chance to go to Houston? And do you think that Houston? And I don't think this will happen if. Chris Paul takes the max deal that Houston can offer, which would be, I think, five years, $210 million. Do you think that is something that Houston would offer Chris Paul? Yeah. He's 32. He's, what, he missed 20 games this year. He missed 20-plus games the year before. He's 32, 33 years old. I don't think I'm going to offer any 32, 33-year-old a five-year deal, except maybe like a LeBron. Mm -hmm. So... Hey, you might get two or three good years. Those last couple of years may not be so hot. So I would have maybe if I can get away with like a three-year deal worth 120 million. If I'm paying this guy 40 million a year, that's a steep price as well. Um, I think LeBron either is going to stay or go to Philadelphia. I, really, I think that's really his only choice. I don't buy him going out west. I don't buy him going to Lakers. Maybe Houston. That'd be. That'd probably be the most interesting place he could go. That's yep. maybe the only. But how I many? Jesus Christ! I mean, the, the, sorry, go ahead. I mean, I don't know how you make that work. Harden and Paul and LeBron. Be insanity. Whatever team he goes, 
I mean, they'll make it work money-wise. They'll get rid of whoever they need to get rid of. It'd be interesting if he would go to Boston, but that just ain't going to happen. Kyrie Irving there. Um, I could see him signing a one-year deal with Cleveland, although if I was him, I would probably go to Philadelphia. But that might stunt the growth of, like, an Embiid. Right. Um, unless LeBron... Because he's putting up these numbers this year. They're the same numbers he's really always put up the 27 points a game and eight rebounds, eight assists. But he's needed to play every game. He's played every game, I think, for the first time uh, since early on in his career. Uh, he's needed to do this because he hasn't had any help. So right. that's why he's needed to do this this year. Um, so if he wants to go to Philadelphia, maybe cut back a little bit. Uh, ben Simmons can't shoot. So well, I was going to—that's what I was going to say. If LeBron goes to Philadelphia, forget Joel Embiid. That's going to stunt uh, Ben Simmons' growth in terms of shooting that three-pointer. He's going to be terrible then. Do you think he's going to hit one next year? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I should, probably not. If he hits one, I'll give him—I'll give over under two, two and a half. Under? Over under two and a half. Under. Okay. Under. <laughs> I'll give the one and a half under a half. But it was 0 for 13 this year. Yeah, something like I, that. I think it's bad when people question whether or not you shoot with the wrong hand. That's how you know you're bad at shooting. Yeah. If they think, guys, you're probably a righty, not a lefty. So that's bad. Uh, we'll find out whether or not he's worked on this in the off season. Uh, because if you work on it, uh, you will get you will you will get better at it. Um. You know, Blake Griffin, I was talking about Blake Griffin. He was a terrible free throw shooter, like in the 50s. And now he's, you know, lower 70s. He obviously worked on it, and uh, he got uh, exponentially better at shooting free throws. To where he's not here. So the, we will see if Bill Simmons, or Ben Simmons, can hit a goddamn shot uh, outside of 10 feet next year. I like Ben Simmons more than Bill Simmons, just for the record. And I would also I like, like, I like... I like Bill Simmons better. And I would like to throw a wild card in. I've mentioned this before, but I think if you can get a, if you could get a package deal with Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James yeah. to the Clippers, that's the that's the team that I'm most looking forward to. Like on the outside, if you can, get, you're not going to get only one. You got to get two. Um, so, like you could get those guys anywhere, whether it's Miami or any team in the East. Uh, the Nets, whatever. If you can get Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James to partner up with the guy you maybe already have, then yeah, I could see that working. Uh, right now, uh, 76ers are a slight favorite. Cleveland's number two, Houston is three. I think that's about right. Uh, Lakers are four. For the odds to get uh, LeBron services? Yeah. The Heat, the Warriors are available. Uh, at 16-1. to 1. And the Clippers are be the dark horse. There are seven teams here. The Clippers are the last team at 25-1. to 1. So, uh, yeah, I would think it would come down to 76ers, Cleveland, and Houston. And you got to stay in the East. So. Right. And can I just say, you know, he's made the finals eight years in a row. And that's a great accomplishment. But the East is so bad. It's been yep. bad for 20 years. Mm-hmm. What? It's, it's a terrible. It's yeah, a terrible. I agree. What? Again, if he was in the West, is it reasonable because he's won three titles? Would he have gotten? It's, it's reasonable to think since he lost in the finals, probably soon to be six times, 
it'd be three and nine in the or three and six in the finals. He probably would have only made the finals three times because he lost to three or six teams in the West, and he would not have gotten to the final if he was in the West. Well, I think he. Would, I think he would have gotten to the NBA Finals at least five times if he were in the West, at least five times, and I. And I say well, that, I, I re, reason being, I think he would have a better, so obviously the West has a lot of good teams, so he's going to have a better supporting cast around him, and he can help elevate that team to, you know, to take down the the Sacramento Kings and the Denver uh, Nuggets of the West. I, I think that, I think he would have still gotten, found a way to get to five games, it might, or to five finals. It would have just taken a little bit longer. Who are, since Jordan retired 20 years ago, who would you say are the five best players when they've been in the Western Conference? When they played? Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq was good. Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan was all right. Um, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett was good. And... Kevin Durant's pretty good. Steph yeah, Curry's good. Yep, uh, you know, you have Russell Westbrook. Yeah, pro- probably not. I'm yeah. trying to think if there's anyone else. Probably, that, you know, did, Steve Nash. Can I throw Steve Nash in? Give Nash won the MVP a couple times. Chris Paul's a good player. Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk Nowitzki's a very good. I mean, you easily, easily ten guys, easily ten guys. You go probably a little deeper than that too, like a Tony Parker. Mm-hmm. Not top five, but but very good. Yeah. Who, who are the five best guys in the East in 20 years? Not named LeBron. Not named LeBron. I, 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 I dare you to come up with five. We huh. easily came up with 10 to 12. Okay. I find it hard. Okay. Hard to come up with five mm-hmm. guys. Well, okay. So, yeah, Le- five best guys. Let me try here. Allen Iverson. Okay, I'll give you him. Jason Kidd. All right. Well, what's wrong with Jason Kidd? That's fine. I mean, we're, I mean, obviously, you compare Jason Kidd to, I mean, he doesn't even make the top five of the other list. But, sure. Uh, Dwayne, I mean, Dwayne Wade. Sure, Dwayne Wade. Uh, do we go Chris Bosh? I wouldn't. Okay. Um, that's fine. How about Dwight Howard? That's fine with me. He made the finals. He was a, he was a guy for a time. And then Dwight Howard, but Dwight Howard probably doesn't even make the top ten of that other list. Right. And a fifth guy, I don't know. Like, the, the, like a Carmelo, uh, Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, Derrick Rose for three years. Yep. I mean, it's like I mean, it's it's bad. It, it is so goddamn oh, bad. It is. It is. With the West and the East. With all that said, the NBA Finals game, Golden State, Cleveland, Cavaliers, Act 4, Game 1, Thursday night uh, on ABC. All games on ABC. Uh, game 1, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central, 6 local out there in the Bay Area. Stanley Cup Final. I saw, yeah. I saw a stat which uh, LeBron's played like 55, 58 um, Eastern Conference Finals games. I think two of them has been on ABC. One of them was this year. Okay. Two two of them have been on ABC. Wow. That, that's pretty remarkable. Uh, Stanley Cup final going on here. Game one goes to the Vegas Golden Knights, six to four. I am very, like I say, I am far more into the hockey than I am the basketball. 
And this story, like, this Stanley Cup final, the NHL could not have gotten it any better because you have an expansion team that fans are upset about. Like, oh, why why did they get to win right away? I, I don't know. It's not like they got the best players. Your team, your favorite team, whoever you cheer for, majority of these fans are wild. You chose to protect the guys you did. You let guys like Eric Halla and uh, the, the Tuck kid, you let them go. You know, the Penguins let Marc-Andre Fleury go. Like, they just said, no, we, we don't need him. We're going to expose him. And if Vegas wants to take him, they could take him. And I think he was, like, their first draft pick. So, um, I, I'm i tired of the, oh, it's an expansion team. They shouldn't win. You know what? I would prefer Washington win, of course, because they have Alexander Ovechkin. He's seeking his first cup. I mean, that's the compelling storyline there. I would much, I would rather see him win. But I have no problem with Vegas winning um, if they do. Um, just proves that other teams better find a way, figure out a way to construct their teams better and play that style of hockey that, of course, Vegas has gotten uh, to work for, out for them and gotten them to the final. So um, just to all those people out there, I think they could shut the heck up. Uh, you want them to go to hell? No, you know what? One steps on the plane. Uh, one steps on the cruise. Uh, they do have the opportunity to, to go off <laughs> or uh, to to come back here. But but I mean, with that said, I I get from the I get to a degree the argument like, hey, you know, this is an expansion team. This is kind of a mockery of the sport and everything. But at the same time, again, these these guys aren't the best players. They aren't. They, they they've done a remarkable job. They played with a chip on their shoulder all year. And if game, if this entire series is anything like what we saw in game one, it's going to be great. We're going to talk with Marcus here later on in the podcast to, um, to get his perspective of this series. But this was a great first game and I hope this goes seven games. I hope it goes longer than the NBA finals. I get that it would have to go, I think, at minimum six games and the, the NBA finals would have to be a sweep. It'd have to be over on Friday next week and it would be game six, I think, or game five. Game five or six, uh, yeah, next Saturday uh, for the for the Stanley Cup final. So that would be the only way it happens. I hope it does, but um, I, I just think this is so great. And you have the opening act that that Vegas did. We talked about that already, but this is such a, a great uh, final. I can't wait to see it, and um, I it it has to even interest you. Sure, I'll, I'll tune into these goddamn games here. Um. I looked it up last year. I want to see, like, I think 10 million is that mark for hockey. Like, I don't know. I think it's been a long time since a uh, hockey game's gotten 10 million, if it ever has. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope this goes game seven. And I hope it can get eight, nine, 10 million viewers. I think that'd be very good uh, for NBC and for hockey. What did, uh, what did it get last night? I, I looked earlier here, and it, the ratings were good. They were up from last year's Game 1, but, of course, it, it didn't help that you had Rockets and Warriors uh, Game 7 that took a significant chunk out of the, the viewing audience, I have to imagine. And then Monday Night Raw, of course. So. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, how could I forget that? Um, Last night, yeah, we don't know, but the numbers were good. Last year's uh, 4.7 for the first game, so... If it's up a little bit, maybe around five million. Uh, yeah, I'm not seeing any hockey games here. To see. There's been apparently two hockey games that have ever gotten more than ten million. Uh, and those were back in the early '70s. So in, in, in modern times, 2011 Boston Vancouver Game Seven had eight and a half million. So I think that's what they should shoot for. But this one get eight and a half million. 
hope that it gets uh, gets a game seven because that's what you need for that. So mm-hmm. they get hit now, maybe ten million. Be the you know basically the most watched hockey game, NHL hockey game ever. Uh, the game seven, game seven last night of the Western Conference Finals. Game seven Monday night drew almost fifteen million. Pretty strong, pretty strong. And the last uh, two years, I think it's been around twenty for the finals. So probably around twenty again if it's a quick series. And, and like as far as I know, with Vegas, like they didn't get any superstars. Uh, I like the goalie, but they ain't getting superstars. Um, they got like essentially. A bunch of second linesmen, right? Yeah. Like their whole team. Yep. I mean, they, they don't have, I mean, which is very good, and they've proven they can win with a bunch of second linemen. So that's, you know, probably want a bunch of number twos instead of, you know, a bunch of one, two, threes, and fours. So. Uh, let's see here. So, I mean, it drew record ratings in Las Vegas and, and D.C., the Stanley Cup final. did Shocker there. Absolutely shocking that that would be Not the me. case. Uh, but let's see. We got a 3.72. It's the uh, – it's uh, – what the hell? Get, uh, I mean, that's I up – it's up 7%, I know, from last year's game. It was – yeah, 3.72 overall rating. I Again, I don't know necessarily how that – no, t- this year. Last year was a two seven, so that's up. Uh, say it's a three, l- last year was a three four nine. Okay, I've got four point seven million here for last year, so hopefully they got. Five. Oh, no, I, they got five. It, well, is that the overall rating? I think is the is it three point seven two? That doesn't mean three point seven two million watched it, right? So I've got four for last year. Penguins National. I've got four point seven million people watched. A rating of two point seven. Uh, you know, I think it was what two point seven percent of the households that, in the country were the, watching that game. Uh, what I have here, San Jose Pittsburgh had two point seven three rating. Nashville Pittsburgh yep. had three point four nine, so that was thirty six percent. And then uh, this one's three point seven two. So I mean, they've, they've come away. I mean, Christ, these. I mean, versus what versus turned into NBC Sports Network, right? Yes. Yep. So, I mean, these were, I mean, they were, the, the versus years of 10, 12 years ago, just atrocious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's when they were first getting out of the lockout, too. Sure. I mean, yeah, 06, 07 really bottomed out there. And it's a steady increase there. Boston-Vancouver 2011, that was good. Uh, Chicago-Boston game one thirteen that was a, a lot of people watched that. So, um Kings Rangers or the Kings Rangers in fourteen. That was a five game series, but I think it was like a close series. Yeah, it, but it didn't do very well in the ratings, which was somewhat surprising given the media markets. I got six million for Game Five, so if it would have gotten a Game Six or Seven, and you would have got around eight. Tampa Bay Chicago uh, three years ago did get eight million, so that was good. Seven million last year for Game Six. So, and I think I saw that uh, this was one of the highest rated games that didn't feature a Chicago team in the last however many yeah. years. So I I only I expect it to go up, especially with no basketball. I, I And we can only hope for a long series. It seems like both of these teams are very evenly matched, uh, despite the overwhelming star power for Washington. Uh, you, you just simply can't doubt Vegas. But let me give you the top ten uh, markets for the Stanley Cup final in... Um, from game one. Uh, you ready for this? I saw it. What was it? Was it Pittsburgh three? Pittsburgh was three. Buffalo. 
Buffalo uh, up there? Yes, they were. But Check. Buffalo was five. Um, like you, okay. So you would expect, like, no one expects Houston or the Bay Area to be watching, especially with you know last night uh, with or with Monday night's game. But there was there are some that surprised me here, and really they shouldn't. But uh, Baltimore was four, and Richmond, Virginia was six. But given the proximity to Washington, D.C., that's not surprising. Number seven, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Not surprising that people in the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey, love their hockey, so they're going to watch. St. Louis, 5.22. That's a little interesting. Denver, 5.11. Also slightly interesting. Number 10, Fort Myers, Florida. 4.71. 4.71. I have to think these are a bunch of snowbirds that are stick that are stuck in Florida right now that love their hockey from the north. I mean, for Fort Myers, that that's incredible. That's insane. It's very surprising, yeah, because Florida doesn't like sports of any kind. They don't show up for anything. They're the Atlanta of Florida, so uh, that's a surprise. Everybody else makes sense. Yep. So we'll see how it goes there. I was, yeah. But St. Louis Blues. What, late 60s, 50 years ago, they were an expansion team when they made the finals? Yep, exactly 50 years uh, ago. And they made the finals three years in a row. Their first three years, they made it. They didn't win any of them. And uh, what I found out today I thought was interesting, you have the original six. I assume 67-68 was the first year they added. They must have added six teams. They must have added all of these teams at once. Um... um well, so they, they split, whenever, whenever they added these teams, and all St. Louis came in this year, and what they did, they kept all the original six in one conference, and they had a, a separate Western conference with six new teams like Pittsburgh and Oakland and St. Louis and a couple other teams. So an expansion team was guaranteed to make the finals because the whole freaking conference of six teams they were all, I believe, expansion teams. So that's insane. That was that was interesting how that uh, came to be, and St. Louis just happened to be the best of those expansion teams. They had Minnesota, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. You had the California Seals, the Kings, and a bunch of these teams added. They basically, I assume, they doubled the league here. So that's exciting, and uh, there was a larger discrepancy those first couple of years from the Eastern Conference with the original six compared to the Western Conference. And you basically have six expansion teams. So that's something I did not know. No, I didn't either. That, no, that, that is very interesting. Kind of waters down, no, I guess, the, the achievement of yeah, it. But, um, yeah. It, it does, since, you know, they weren't... I mean, a, a expansion team was going to make the finals that year. But uh, it does cheapen it a little bit. So, good for Vegas. So we'll see. We'll have plenty more on the Stanley Cup final later on in the podcast, and as well throughout uh, the hopefully the couple of weeks of the Stanley Cup final. Um, before I get to the the main the, the big topic here, uh, that's probably sure to draw some controversy. Uh, what, you know I'm running for governor? Uh, who's running for governor? You got Attorney General Marty Jackley. You got some oh Representative Christy Nome. It's a dead heat. Next week, next Tuesday, they're voting. Uh, essentially, a dead heat. That's, I mean, Christy Nome, I guess? I don't know. I mean, that's... I would prefer I would prefer she not win. 
I think she will, but that's that's a disappointment. Well, I don't think either are very good, but so be it, I guess. Um, uh, what's going on on the diamond? Anything from baseball this last week that really caught your attention? Uh, anything this week that you're looking forward to? Houston's good. Uh, Verlander uh, beat the Yankees at Memorial Day. Uh, Verlander's been very good. See how long he can keep his ERA around one. Kershaw's coming back for the Dodgers. Dodgers are playing better. The Diamondbacks are a disaster. They're terrible now. Uh, the Mets, Syndergaard has the hurt finger, so the Mets, their woes continue. Uh, Brave Silly's doing good. The NL East is interesting with those four teams all within like two, three games of each other. So that's a good division. Uh, Rockies are in the West. They're playing well. So we got some, uh, close races. It seems like we've kind of switched leagues now. The, the National League was the league where you could kind of count on teams winning the division. We kind of knew who was going to win. And the American League was kind of wide open. Now it's, I mean, the American League has been decided here where we've got. We know what teams are going to be in the playoffs. It's like the NBA. We know. Mm-hmm. We got in Cleveland, Boston. Yankees in. I hope Seattle. They're playing well. They got a bunch of injuries, but I hope Seattle makes that second wild card because what you've had, you've had Buffalo and you've had the Timberwolves. I think it's about time for Seattle to get in the playoffs. I know that um, you know Twins fans aren't happy with the direction that this team is going in. Right now, you you get swept by Seattle. That's not great. But again, looking at it, you know it, it, Seattle is really good, and you lose these games fairly close. I mean, it's not like they got blown out in any. They were competitive in all three and had chances, but for sure. Seattle's like one nine of ten, and they won like eight of the nine by one run. So they're on a it's an unsustainable streak. I mean, they're winning all these one run games, so they're very fortunate. Uh, fortunate in that aspect. Um. Yeah, baseball just kind of rolling along. Harper and Trout putting together great years. Machado just waiting for him to get traded. Uh, Seattle made a made a minor trade with Tampa. Uh, Tampa's still using uh, their relievers to start a couple games. One game that went well, one game that didn't go so well. So keep that up. Uh, keep that going. I like it. So uh, Braves, 19-year-old outfielder Acuna got hurt. Thankfully, it's like an ACL uh, strain, so he'll be out for a few weeks, so it wasn't completely terrible. So, I mean, the Rays are at 500. That's a surprise. Oakland is two games over, so you look at those two cheap-ass franchises. They're uh, staying alive right now. So, yeah, the, the baseball's been good. Very good. We'll we'll have plenty more to talk about that as the summer. The Brewers, the Brewers are killing folks. Yes, they are killing folks. Very surprising for me. I I had a feeling that they were going to be in it, hey. uh, and uh, like like I hope they win. I hope they win. I hope they win the division. That'd be fun. I I hope they do as well. And you're right about Houston's pitching, just phenomenal. I mean, they're they're it's it's record setting. It really is. I mean. I mean guys, you got Dallas Keuchel, the fourth best. He's a Cy Young winner. He's the fourth best starter on that team. <laughs> Dallas Keuchel. That just insanity, insanity on a whole new level. And a very important series for the Twins this week against the Indians. If they can pick up, at, get at least two wins against the Royals, if not sweep them, uh, set up a, a big series with the Indians. Maybe you just can split. just split. Yeah. 
I think it's a four-game series. Just win two. Just, mm-hmm. you know, all-star break, be within five games. That's all I ask. You would hope that because, uh, yeah, you, you can't, you don't want to fall too far behind them. Cleveland's bad this year. They haven't hit very well. They went from having the best bullpen to the worst bullpen. Their bullpen ERA is like five or six. It is a disaster. Yeah. So it should get better. Their bullpen's very bad. Andrew Miller, he's not worked for a while. They lost some guys uh, in the offseason. So, uh, it's been very bad for Cleveland. See how that turns out here. But we go now to uh, a topic that I'm sure there are going to be people who disagree with myself. I think you and I are kind of on the same path uh, as this. Well, you know, Zach and got the, you know, you and I, Kurt Warner, all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, David Johnson. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, yourself. I'm, I'm just going to splice all of those you and I together and make like an hour. That's so great. Hour. You too. <laughs> So uh, yourself, myself, we're, I believe we're going to be on the same uh, mindset and agreement here. But uh, the NFL continues to just do terrible things upon terrible things. And uh, they made a, a, I think we could call it a, an official shitstorm here with what happened last week at the owners' meetings in Atlanta where they declared a new anthem policy that said if you're on the field, all personnel, players, team members, anything like that, you must stand. Otherwise, you can go in, you know, those that don't want to can remain in the locker room and you know fully well that all the beat writers, week one, or even, the, like, it doesn't matter, preseason or regular season, they're going to look, they're going to say, this is who wasn't there, it's going to create a, just, a, it's just going to be an absolutely terrible deal. Oh, by the way, this policy was made, it was, quote, a compromise, except it had to have been just a compromise amongst the NFL owners, because there were no player involvement here. Nothing in terms of working with the NFL Players Association. Oh, and by the way, they did this on the day that there's a video, police video of what was it, uh, Sterling Brown uh, from the uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks of the police brutality, and I will say brutality because uh, it was completely unwarranted. And yet you have these. Oh, oh, God, Prince, that's just getting angry. It's just saying it, so I'm just going to kind of stop here. Uh, it's it's just ridiculous, and the NFL has just made this a much worse situation than it was because it was dying down. There wasn't that much talk about it at all. You know, like, the ratings weren't terrible. It, it just it, it wasn't a, a much of a, a topic, and yet the NFL owners keep bringing this up. And now you have what Chip Johnson, Chris Johnson, whatever his name is, Woody's brother, who runs the Jets now, uh, while Woody's the ambassador to England or whatever the hell he's doing under Trump. Uh, I mean, he's saying I'm not going to pay, I'm not going to force my player, or I'll pay the fines of any player that the NFL finds for for you know this national for not abiding by this national anthem. Um, Rule, and then you have Peter King, uh, the the congressman from New York, not the former uh, Monday Morning QB columnist, say, "Well, this is a disgrace," you know, by by Johnson and you know, blah blah blah. And then you have Keith Ellison from Minnesota, who uh, I believe he's the first. Is it the first Muslim uh, uh, that's in the Congress? Uh, he said he's going to boycott the NFL based on this. Uh, 
uh, announcement, this new anthem policy. So the NFL has just bungled this thing to an infinite degree. And it's just infuriating to me that we still have to have this damn discussion. And it's still infuriating to me that we have Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed, two of the better players at their positions, still without a job when you have the likes of... Oh, I don't know. The third string quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And just, it's, it's absolute garbage is what this is. It's a disgrace. And it just makes me infuriated with A, the NFL and B, the people of this country who just don't. And I get it. You can have opinions about it. And I respect if you believe that they should stand for the national anthem, that's fine. But if you you have to look at what they're doing, and you have a blatant like video right there of of Sterling Brown, Milwaukee Bucks guard, Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA, you have this video come out the day that the NFL anthem does this. It's like this is what the players are talking about. This is what Colin Kaepernick's been doing. It's just it just sucks. It's infuriating and it sucks. I'm off my soapbox. This was all done with. Like, this was all done with. It was. Teams had decided this was done with. There was no need for the owners to do this. Uh, like, Marshawn Lynch did this. Nobody talked about Marshawn Lynch doing this. As you mentioned, Kaepernick did it for weeks beforehand, and then it got attention. This was done. You know, the NFL is starting to come around a little bit. But again, stacking, you need to remind me, uh, Virginia... Villanova, don't pick them. Yep. Don't pick them no matter what. Well, NFL. you could have picked Villanova this year. By the way, Dante DiVincenzo, he is uh, officially but, signed with an agent and is in the draft, and that makes me very sad. I thought he was coming back. I, I thought he was, too. He, apparently, he is not. You sure? Yep, I, I just saw right. he, Yeah, I, it was earlier today, I believe, he signed with an agent. Sure. Or he intends to sign with an agent and stay in the draft. Oh, that's Yeah, he may not get drafted, so that's a bad Oh yeah, this was all done. Remind, I'll, I'll, I'll begrudgingly watch the Vikings, but anything else, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So until they no, can, no more. until they can do something here. I mean, it just, and you know what? It after last year, week three, with the with the Trump son of a bitch comments, and you had that, and all the NFL owners are uniting, they're locking arms, and then. Uh, you have uh, Ross, Stephen Ross in Miami. He sticks uh, insert foot in mouth with dumb comments, and that uh, you have Jerry Jones. Oh, Bob McNair, he- yeah, oh Bob McNair is the worst one of the bunch. I think he and Jerry Jones, uh, bigger in Texas. They're bigger assholes in Texas too, apparently, uh, and bigger bigots is maybe what uh, should they should be better qualified as. Um, this, yeah, it, it's just dumb. I, like. I don't know what Jaguars owner Shad Khan, what his voice in all of this is, but he is really the only one that would have a unique perspective because I believe he's the only owner that isn't white. If I if I am remembering this correctly, I don't. I mean, there's not an African American billionaire uh, who owns a team, um, and and race. And I'm not trying to. Take or like to point Shad Khan out, it like to call him out or anything, and, and use this. As, but I'm just, I'm trying to say, like you, you just have a lot of people that are rich white people in there that don't seem to be getting the greater concept of what's going on here, and that's what's disappointing. And they're pandering to the to the to their base 
to their denominator. It is a race thing. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Like Steve Kerr, you saw what Steve Kerr said. That was, you know, just replay what Steve Kerr said. Best thing, he knows what's going on. Yep, he and he Greg Popovich are the best at this. Yeah. And you have, I mean, you have not heard, you know, those in high power that they said anything about those two. No, they haven't. Have they said a lot about Colin Kaepernick? Yes, they have. But uh, for some reason, again, they don't go after Steve Kerr or Greg uh, Popovich, and I would uh, venture a guess that's because they're not black. I, I would so, I would also venture a guess because the NBA is far more respected when it comes to the social issues and their policy because they have worked with the players on this. And the NFL... Quite frankly, unless proven otherwise, it seems to me that they've relatively cho- chosen not to do so. Yeah, you might have an agreement, oh, we're going to throw some millions of dollars in to help with these issues, but then we're just, yeah. it's trying to sweep it under the rug, and now you're just bringing it about surface. And there's this fake vote, it's a ghost vote, apparently, that happened last week with the anthem here. I I get that there are sides to this, and I I understand why people are against it but I just wish that people would know the reason for it and they just clearly don't tend to listen and again I'm going to say athletes have a uh, athletes and actors and actresses those with a public profile in that's fairly high like you know who these people are their celebrity their celebrity status they can use that to create change in this world and a lot of people do it. For whatever reason, Colin Kaepernick has been chastised as this anti-American son of a bitch who just does not want, like, he, he, that he hates America, and he is, for all intents and purposes, I'm deeming him a martyr because he's all but done in the NFL based on everything that I'm seeing. And uh, it's it's just an absolute disgrace. It's just what we've talked about before, where the people who are against it, they just don't, for whatever reason, they cannot understand what the issue is. They don't know what Kaepernick is doing, even though it's obvious what, I mean, we talked about it many times, what his stance are or stance is on this issue and what the issue is. Are that he wants to bring attention to and yep. has donated his millions of dollars to it, the, the NFL at $90 million. Again, with the concussion thing. It's, oh, we'll give you all of these, all of this money to make it go away, and it's not, that's just not what's going to happen here. So I mean, I, I mean, I've listened to, to talk shows, sports shows, non-sports shows, and you get these people that call in that still don't know what what the protests are about. And I just find, I mean, I, at this point, uh, there's no changing anybody's opinion on this uh, because you're set in your opinion, even if you are given facts that may, in my opinion, should sway your opinion to our side. People are not going to see it that way because they think the flag means something. Uh, it, it means something to different people. So, again, I have no problem with what it, they're doing. Right, it means something to everyone. And kneeling is a form of... You know, like, we kneel to pray. We kneel, you know, in front, like, uh, you know, soldiers kneel in front of cemeteries, you know, graveyard cemeteries. Why is that any different? Um, here, like, knee is a sign of respect. It's just not the normal standard sign of respect for the, 
for the flag. I mean, it, it's no different to kneel than it is to uh, drape yourself in an American flag suit or like a shorts or anything like that. I mean, that's. I, I yeah, I, I assume that uh, when you go to a sporting event, and early sporting event is the only place where the song is played at. And I don't know how how we got to that point. It's it's not, it's not played in any, any other form of entertainment or anywhere else, anywhere that at a sporting event. So that's odd. I mean, I don't even know why it's played at a sporting event to begin with. And um, then, but well, and then also, it, this is just a relatively recent uh, stance that the NFL's done. I think since two thousand nine, when you know they or this was probably, you know, before, this hasn't been, like, something that's been around for hundreds of years, or, like, for for decades, where they've made the athletes stand out. And remember, the NFL was taking money from the military, and people didn't really have a big uh, problem with that until it it got out after some of these stories kind of broke, so, uh, I mean, just, it, it's just weird. It, it just... It's sad. It, it's sad. It really is. I feel like you go to a game, national anthems play, there's people out in the concourse, they're not paying attention. Are they disrespecting the flag? I don't care if they are or not. I don't care if you stand for the song. You can do whatever the hell you want. It doesn't mind, matter to me. But apparently there's some people out there where it matters a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I was at a, I had a game, a Mitchell baseball game, like a month ago or a few weeks ago. Uh, they were playing Pierre. He was in Mitchell. I was getting ready to do the game. There's some old lady comes near the press box. There's like three people in the press box. And um, she got a hold of one of the you know parents. They were doing the scoreboard before the game. And she asked, are you going to play the national anthem? This is like a half hour before the game. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And he's like, I mean, I, I don't know. We don't have it here. We, I don't know. She's like, you better play that national anthem because I had five brothers who served and I've got grandkids that are serving and you better play that goddamn song. I'm like, and the guy's like, all right, we'll try and find it. It's like people like that. It's like, all right. Yeah. I mean, I I wanted to tell the lady to go to hell. Well, like, but, yeah. but I mean, I I get that. Like, I, I get when you have it people that serving that are fighting. That right. I mean, I get that. It it's. All like again, it's just over Memorial Day, so we're remembering all of those who fought for our freedom, and we thank them for it. We do. We're very grateful that we live in a country that we're able to express our opinions the way we do and exercise our amendment rights. And unfortunately, it seems like some of those amendment rights are, for for all intents and purposes, trumped by just. How we how we truly feel, and you know what? Uh, of course, the song is the song and the flay are going to mean more to people who've had who've had loved ones in the military, who've lost loved ones in the military, and I I totally understand that. I get that, but you also have to remember what you're what we're fighting for, and that's that freedom to be able to to do these things and try and make this country better. Isn't that at the end of the day, that's what we want? If, if for those that say. Well, there's got to be a better way to do it. I want you to. I want you to say, tell me, what is the better way? What What is the better way? Like Colin Kaepernick was giving away um, DNA kits, and he did all the, the several camps. It was not. I 
think it was it was either last summer or the summer before, and there were a few news sto- news stories on that because he wants kids, to, you know, to to get that education and find out who they are, where did they come from, and so he's giving away all these free kits. Who knew about that? Who who knows about that? Who knows about the you know the the the, the green beret and I that. Sorry, it's blanking on me that he told Kaepernick that he said, oh, if you're going to do this, I would suggest kneeling because that's still a sign of respect. No, p- people don't know that. It just, I just wish people would hear each other out. It, it's There's a lot of shouting involved, and I just wish you'd hear these people out because they, they aren't doing this to infuriate you. They want you to be upset with the issues that are going on in this country, not with the mere fact that there's, you know, your uh, the flag with the bars and the stripes and the stars and everything that you you are taking that as a sign of disrespect. Chris Long, he's got a good Twitter. He's got some good thoughts on it. Yes, he does. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, he's got some good thoughts as well. Again, it's in, you hear people, obviously, the things you brought up, they have no idea that Kaepernick has done that stuff because uh, they're not educated. They're not going to look it up. They're not going to research it. They're not going to uh, make themselves well-versed in this subject because they don't care, so they don't know about it. Uh, and it seems to me that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Kaepernick, he signed this huge contract, and he's got $50 million. What is he, you know, it, it, it's like that. Because he has money, apparently his opinion doesn't count for whatever reason. He's not fighting for what he, I mean, he's never going to play you know, football again. That's, you know, disgusting. But he, he's got, as you said, the platform and the money to help those out, and he's doing that. But apparently if you're a black person and you have a lot of money, then I guess that disqualifies you from doing that. Meanwhile, the, the, the owners who are worth billions of dollars, they, by all means, they have all the rights to to make any policy they want, and I would say that's a white and black thing again. So, um, yeah, it's disgusting, and in the last couple of years, uh, with with facts not being uh, not being relevant at all, you can say anything you want. There's really no consequences. There are consequences for some people as long as uh, you know you're not the president. Um, so, and it's, it's it's just sad what it's uh, what it's become. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it's continuing to evolve to. Hopefully, you know, got some elections coming up in November. Maybe that'll be uh, a big wake-up call, I hope, you know. And people like Steve Kerr, hopefully they continue to talk about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, people have made their decision at this point what, what side they what side they uh, are, are going on. And I'm not watching football, and this is just, you know, another reason for that. Mm-hmm. There's other people that, because they're they're not standing, they think that they're protesting as well. So you got people on both sides uh, not watching uh, for opposite reasons. It's a story that, unfortunately, will not go away for all the wrong reasons. Uh, any- well, and hopefully, hopefully these players, uh, you know, hopefully some of these players sit out like has been the rumor. I doubt it's ever going to happen, but that would be great. I would love to see uh, players sit out. I would love to say I think the players have a lot of power here and they could uh, voice their opinions. I would love to see a team or two teams 
not take the field one day. If it's got to be, you know, the two terrible teams like the Jets and the Bears, whatever, I would love to see it, you know. You know, the, the, the owner would have to be on board with this, so we'd have to get the right owner, whether that's Jacksonville or whoever else. Um, if you can get a team, or preferably two teams, to play each other, and they both uh, do not play, they will not come out of the locker room, I think that would be awesome. There's 0% of that happening, but that would be great. Yeah, uh, and ju- but again, look at the... you can. Talk about stars, one you said. I know Pro Football Talk had a couple articles on this, uh, and Florio mentioned it, I think, on 9 to noon on Tuesday, just about, like, oh, I mean, look at all the stars that didn't play last year. You know, Odell Beckham, Aaron Rodgers, David Johnson. And these guys were J.J. Uh, Watt, and they were out due to injury, but the NFL still survived, and they will still survive if stars sit. It just, it, it wouldn't be a good look, and, I, I mean, there, there's just... I, I That's hope. why you need a team. You need a team and a game. You need a right. Monday night or a Sunday night game. You need, you yes. need a high-profile game, and for them to say we're not playing, yep. and we're not playing until this changes. And um, obviously, like I said, it's it's not going to happen. Right. I wish it would. Like just like the NCAA, if, if a basketball team or a football team wants to make a stand, uh, obviously you want to get to the Final Four. You want to get to the big uh, playoff games. But if there were, you know, if you could get all four teams together and say, we're not taking the floor until, you know, we get paid money so we get what we want. I mean, the players have the big, I mean, they've got the, uh, they've got a lot of power in this. Was it Nigel Hayes for Wisconsin a year or two ago? Uh, he recently said they were thinking about doing that when Wisconsin made the Final Four there a couple of years ago, and that would have been, uh, been great if they would have done that. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, like I say, this is unfortunately something that will not be going to wait. Anything else before we say so long? That's about it. Right. A couple of weeks of basketball, a couple of weeks of hockey. Uh, well, every day was like 12 to uh, 1 to 2.30. I think it's 12 to one thirty. NFL Live is on for an hour and a half every single day on ESPN. And I always, I'm always curious as to what you could talk about for, you know, an hour an hour and a half right now with football. I just, I mean, what the big thing what today was it's 100 days until the season starts. And I, uh, I just can't even imagine. Can't even fucking imagine what they're talking about. That's you and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't even do it. I can't do it. Well, next week we'll talk more basketball, we'll talk more uh, hockey, baseball, and uh, as we get into the summer here, it'll get a little lighter, that's for sure. Um, both by day and uh, with the podcast here. But, Crins, as always, thank you, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins, join us here, Sports Block Podcast. Appreciate time and perspective as always. Um, again, there are sides to this, and I'm on the side of Kaepernick. I, I get I get it. I just wish people would really listen to what's going on. If you haven't seen the the Sterling Brown video with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, Milwaukee Bucks point guard. This happened back in uh, January, but uh, it it came out. They released the police video uh, last Wednesday, which was when the NFL anthem deal um, their new policy took took hold and or when it was announced and. 
if you want to know why they're doing this, just look at that. And if you aren't outraged by the police doing to Sterling Brown what you did, then I just don't see how you're ever going to come to grasp with what's going on um, here with the players. It's just sad. Uh, it's sad what's going on. It's sad how this whole thing has just transpired. It's very unfortunate. But uh, more coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. We'll get into some lighter topics. More Stanley Cup final talk with Marcus Traxler. And then uh, we'll have Jeff Lloyd the second. We promised the interview for a number of weeks. He is here. He's with us to you know go over the draft. Uh, so good stuff there. Uh, we'll get to all that next here. This is the Sports Block Podcast, now available on iTunes. Also follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken and on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. Uh, Marcus Traxler. Jeff Lloyd II, coming up next here, Sports Block Podcast. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast. Pleased to be joined by my good friend from the Mitchell Daily Republic, Marcus Traxler. Marcus, how are you doing? I'm good, Stacken. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. The Stanley Cup Final is upon us. We kind of, we briefly previewed it last week on last week's show, but, uh, I mean, we can certainly go into depth a little more on that, but game one is in the books, and Vegas beats Washington six to four in a highly, highly entertaining game. Uh, immediate reaction: what, what was the biggest takeaway you took uh, from game one? Well, I did not expect the ten goals and nine with the, with an empty netter, but right. Um, I mean, this is. I think that I think, like you said, a great opener. I mean, two teams that are not afraid to get up and down. Vegas uh, likes to uh, get out and go, and, and Washington certainly can do that as well. And I thought uh, there were a few opportunities in this game where um, it was it was there for Washington to take it, and they just were not able to to get out from uh, Vegas's grasp. And yep. uh, I wonder if that's just, you know, playing at home. Uh, Vegas had some, some key plays, and it's really uh, critical breaks to, to sort of keep Keep uh, keep Washington within within reach, and uh, I'm 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 eager to see how the rest of the series goes. I think it does sort of point to it being a longer series. Um, I had set, we didn't talk about the picks on the show last week, but I had settled on Washington uh, to win this. I, I think you know, the hurdles they had overcome uh, to get to this point to me it just sort of proved that they were battle tested, but. Um, We've got Vegas up one nothing. I don't think that's necessarily surprised anybody. No, nope. I I agree. Uh, you know, I I'm going with the heart over the head more in this one. I'm going to take Washington in six, but actually maybe I'll go Washington. I'll go Washington in seven because I don't think they could can necessarily win it on their uh, on their home ice because they haven't been great at home. They've been much better on the road. Uh, to your point about Washington having opportunities, they I think there were three or four. Uh, pucks that went off the crossbar or the post, you know, in the third period alone. Then you have uh, Lars Eller having a wide open net to tie the game late, and I think it was like Brandon McNabb or someone. He gets his stick just in the nick of time to prevent that. What seemingly a, a tipping in a wide open net that would have tied it up at five. We would have had overtime. Uh, so yeah, I mean Vegas did get lucky, but you know what? They get three goals from their fourth line. I, that's awfully impressive, and I just thought overall that the tone set by each team, uh, there was a lot of physicality to this. 
Uh, certainly, I think both teams want to see their goaltenders uh, play better, but I thought there were a lot of screening, and it, it wasn't like there was a, the the goals that were allowed were bad. It was just some great play overall by each team's uh, forwards and defensemen. Yeah, absolutely. I think both these teams have have good offenses when they're when they're going full speed. I think Washington. I'm looking at the stats here. Uh, 38-25 advantage in hits. I think that's probably where they're going to have to be in this series. I mean, they've got to try to push Vegas around a little bit and at the same time skate with them. It's a, it's a challenge, I think, for Washington. Uh, but they, without a doubt, have the players to, to roll with Vegas. It's just a matter of um, sort of outwitting their style of play. And, um, you know, like you said, Vegas definitely had some unsung heroes. I mean, we're talking about uh, Colin Miller and we're talking about Thomas Nosek, uh, Ryan Reeves, who was a guy who obviously has Stanley Cup final experience uh, with Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and he has the, the critical goal. I, I think you know really the the moment that that sort of uh, swung the game. I mean, you were talking right away in that third period, I believe. Uh, Flurry kind of kicks one into his own net inadvertently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that puts Washington up four three, and then we're talking you know ninety seconds later, Ryan Reeves with with just a, a great play. Uh, to tie the game, not really a goal scorer. And then we have Nozick uh, score twice down the stretch, one of those being an empty header, and, and Vegas uh, advances. Yeah, this is... Or gets the win, I should say. Right. Uh, just an absolutely great game. I, uh, Tom Wilson, to me, the, the defenseman for Washington, I feel like... I, I get you don't want to change your style of play completely, but I believe he's a borderline dirty player uh, that hit on <laughs> Marchessault. Uh, in the third period there that resulted, I believe there were matching minors there, but I, I guess as long as he continues to contribute, you know, on the offensive side of things, scoring goals or getting assists and whatnot, Barry Trotz and company are going to be fine with him doing it, but just the way he plays, he better watch it, because I, I feel a suspension could be coming on if he delivers one of those nasty hits like he did there in the third period again. Uh, Tom Wilson, I, I would say, is a dirty player. I mean, he's, he's constantly uh, skating right up to that line and then not afraid to go over it. Um, and if he's not dirty, I mean, he's, he's certainly uh, going to frustrate you. I mean, he's one of those players that's going to drive you nuts. So, um, I and I don't think Tom Wilson would necessarily run away from the, the dirty player uh, tag. I mean, he's just uh, he's a tough-nosed guy, and I he's a guy you want on your team for sure, but definitely not somebody you want to play. Right. I just think that there's a time and a place for it, and I would hope that he would at least think about uh, the ramifications of what his actions might do for games down the line here. I mean, it's not like he was trying to set the tone or anything. This was just a a blatantly late hit. Yeah, and I think the one thing to think about, um, or at least I think about um, with regards to series like this, is that... um, you often see guys maybe dial it back. I don't think we see the types of hits we see in the first three rounds or necessarily those types of plays in the final just because the games are that big. Um, you know, you certainly see aggressive, serious play, but um, I, to me, you don't see, you know, maybe those those plays that are, you know, going to get somebody suspended. And uh, maybe we will. Maybe we, maybe we will see discipline for Wilson. It's hard to say. I thought Alexander Ovechkin, I didn't think he played terrible in this game, but 
I, I don't think he was by far the best player on the ice for the Capitals. He had a couple of opportunities there. I thought T.J. Oshie played far better. Uh, what did you take away from Ovechkin's play in this one? Um, I mean, obviously did not directly impact any of the goals for for Washington. I, I, and, you know, I, I think he certainly can play better. I don't think he played that bad, obviously, but um, they're going to need more out of him. They need him to be scoring. And uh, as much as you can do with that, um, it, it just, be the goal. it just didn't have the same effect that he had in game six and seven of the Tampa Bay series. And I, th- I just thought maybe he would be coming in with a little bit more fire. And not to say that he didn't play with it. He just, it, it, to me, it was TJ Oshie. Oshie was all over the ice. Uh, and I thought he played really well. Going forward here in this series, um, I don't know if we can expect 10 goals, uh, on that, you know, per game. Uh, certainly, if we do, that's going to create for some great hockey here. But going forward here in this series, if we both like the Capitals, um, I guess what what do we see going forward here? What adjustments do they have to make? What adjustments will be made? And how do I guess how this series plays out? What what has to happen for the Washington Capitals to come back and win? Well, I think Vegas definitely has to be better defensively. I, I think that's fairly clear. I I think of the team that can. I think Washington can more more or less afford. I, I think that their goaltender is better. I think Holtby's better than Flurry, and I realize that Flurry's played out of his mind in this series. But Holtby can win you a couple games, and I realize he wasn't on his game tonight. But that doesn't mean he won't be later in this series. So to me, um, if Holtby plays better, the Capitals will play a little better. They they have a, maybe a smaller window to clear to get back into the win column. To me. If Vegas is not up to par defensively, I think Washington can take advantage. So, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Um, and really, Washington, I think, can take the risk of, of saying, you know, if these fourth line guys are who has to beat us, we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't you can't let William Carlson beat you. You can't let Jonathan Marshall beat you. Um, that's kind of got to be the focus, I think, if you're if you're Barry Trotz in Washington. Oh, um, absolutely I think, agree. I, I think if you're Vegas, I think you're in a position where um, I feel pretty confident going into game two. I think if it's a split, um, that's certainly a good sign for Washington, even though, like you said, they've been better on the road than they have been at home, and this was a very close game. Um, so I, I, I'm very interested to see how this all shakes out, and um, I think Washington's still in a good spot. They just have to – I think Holtby can, can really flip this series if he just plays a little bit better. Obviously, I think we – we both agree that the Capitals have the better players, you know, like Oshie and Ovechkin right. and, and Carlson. And, uh, again, Vegas has been the underdog all season long, all playoff long. Everyone keeps doubting them. So I guess we can't say that they don't have the great players, that don't have the really good players. I feel like this se- this series, though, is pretty even, despite the maybe the more star the the greater star power for Washington. Um so I I do expect that this series will be close throughout and that we're gonna see these, you know, back and forth sort of tilts where no team can really get ahead of the other team, you know, by three or four goals, let's say. Yeah, I mean I could see us maybe having one game where it's four one and, and that's maybe just because a a couple shots get away, but um I would generally bank on this being uh, three, two, four, three, five, four. 
um, in a lot of these games. I mean, I just I don't think we're going to see. Um, you know, we may have the empty netters, but I just I think it's going to be a fairly equitable series, and I think Game One showed us quite a bit of that. Yeah, it should be great throughout uh, the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, I, yeah. one thing I would I would just say, you know, to me, this is just another series. Seems like we get this almost every year now in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, it's all about speed. It's all about skill. It's all about guys that can really move. Um, we don't see a lot of the, the power and the, the trudging guys. I, I to me, I, I mean, I realize Washington's not maybe the youngest team, and I, Vegas really isn't either. Um, mm-hmm. But to me, to me, it just emphasizes that speed and skill is where it's at. And if those are the teams that are going to advance, I think that's been made abundantly clear once again. So we hope for a long series here, and uh, hopefully we'll see more great opening acts by the uh, the Golden Knight Entertainment production team. I know uh, we talked right before we we got on here, and you haven't seen it yet, but I I highly recommend you take a look at it. That it was absolutely great. Yes, it might be overdone a little bit. You know, it's like oh this, you know, it's uh, it seems maybe a little gimmicky to some, but. Given that you're in, you know, you know, Sin City and the entertainment throughout the entire city, you got to do something here. And I, the opening act that they had uh, for, before Game One was great, and I can't see, uh, or I can't wait to see the the rest of what they have planned going forward. Well, I mean, think about how many times. Um, I mean, even in the championship, in the finals, um, they just skim over the intros, or you know, it just doesn't. Right. Doesn't get a lot of attention. Um, you know, maybe the Super Bowl Final Four. You know, the intros of the teams get a little bit more run. But I mean, the NBA Finals will just show the guys being introduced, and that'll probably be it. Um, and and most of the other NHL teams, it's the same thing. So um, I think what Vegas do, is doing is cool, just because it's so much. It's so different. Um, it's you want to see a show in Vegas. I mean, it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense with what they've got going on, and I'm cool with it. I, I think it's a great great thing they've got going it it gets a little attention um for vegas i mean vegas right now they cannot get enough of this team and that's just so cool i think to see um that they love they love this as much as they do i I think that's awesome oh absolutely i mean you see the the throngs of people out you know outside the arena watching and it just it's it's a party and their practices they got to push they got to keep people away from what i understand vegas is like this cool practice facility it's kind of you know available to the public they can get to it um and they just uh they have to you know it's it's at capacity it's just a madhouse so um to me that's that's sweet too they're eating it up and that that's great to see it just one last thing that i thought of here is that obviously you know with ovechkin and uh washington in the stanley cup final vegas in it you know in their inaugural season uh, the, certainly there is a lot of good storylines to the Stanley Cup Final, and I would imagine that the ratings for this series are going to be awfully good. But do you believe that the Vegas, their story, uh, what they're doing, is getting enough national attention? Or, I mean, is, is getting the right amount? I think, it, I think it certainly should get more, but I'm glad that it's getting as much as it, as it is, bare minimum. Well, I mean, I think the one thing that I would say is that it, it helps that it's Vegas. It helps that it, um, it's an American city that has, has this expansion team. I think it's a team that hockey fans have been curious about all year. Um, and to me, it also helps that you've got two American cities playing each other. I think it's getting 
you know, enough attention. I think if you're a hockey supporter, sure. Um, you know, and the NHL is the official sport of please like my sport. All the fans are please like my sport. Right. And we do, we do some of that on the show as well. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where, um, the play is good. I mean, I, I think that'll help. Um, you know, I think we're at the point now. I, I was thinking about it today as, as games two and three go to NBCSN. Um, it's good that this is, this series isn't buried on, you know, Outdoor Life Network like it was, uh, <laughs> you know, 15 years ago or however yep. long ago that They're was. Like on because, Versus. Right. I think people are, are glad, uh, are, are going to want to watch this. And so I, I would expect NBCSN to do well in the ratings. I would expect the ratings to be good for this first game. And, uh, it's a, a good position, I think, for the NHL to be in. Uh, they do some things that, that, uh, make you shake your head as always. Gary Bettman had a, a astoundingly stupid answer about CTE again today, um, and that's the one thing that the NHL just can't get out of its own way on. So that's very annoying. And uh, but at the same time, they've got a great story going right now with uh, with Washington and certainly with Vegas. It, it might just be me here. I mean, it, it stunk that they had to go kind of head to head with Game Seven of Golden State in Houston. You know, that was on. That, that did not help. That yeah. was a bad. That was a bad break, for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, certainly something I don't think that they saw coming. But to me, th- and again, I'm perhaps I'm, I'm definitely biased when it comes to hockey. I love the sport and everything. I like it far more than I do the NBA. But to me, it's like, again, we just had the de facto NBA Finals in the Western Conference with Golden State and Houston. So we're getting yep. Golden State and Cleveland for what the fourth straight year. It's just it's kind of getting stale. I know people will love to see what LeBron can do and and of course Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and company. But to me this Vegas and Washington is just is it's so much more intriguing because neither team's won a cup. Of course Vegas is in their, you know, their first season as a franchise and you got Alexander Ovechkin. To me this just it's a more captivating series than Golden State and Cleveland, though I know I, I'm in the minority in that. Well, I, I think the one thing we can say is that uh, both you and I we're going to watch all of both series or as much as we can, mm-hmm. um, even though even though we we probably have a good idea of how the NBA Finals are going to go. Um, I would say even in a losing effort, LeBron is worth watching uh, yes. what he's doing right now. So, um, you know, I, I just think the NHL is, is in a position where they. They've basically done everything they can uh, to make this Stanley Cup uh, interesting, watchable, I think. Yep. And um, you let the chips fall where they may. I think if, if this continues on, if we do get seven games, I think it'll be a great uh, great thing for the NHL. And I think the Vegas story is, is perfect the way it is right now. I'm sure that was pun intended, right, with the chips falling where they are, considering that exactly. we're in Vegas. <laughs> I, I, to be honest, I really probably should have tried to jam more uh, casino puns in, but I'll, I'll work on that for the next time. Yep, it, well, it's a crapshoot. You never know what's going to happen there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Thank you, Marcus, as always, for the time, and uh, we'll be chatting next week to uh, see where we're at in this series. You bet, Zach. All right. Thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler, Mitchell Daily Republic, and our resident hockey expert, kind enough to join us here, as he always does. It's great stuff. Uh, always appreciate his time. Uh, yeah, f- fantastic there. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward here, Stanley Cup. I mean, you'll, you'll know pretty much what's happened in Game 2 by the time you listen to this podcast this week. Uh, but uh, hopefully we get a long series here 
going forward. Again, Stanley Cup final, you can see it all on NBC and NBCSN. Continuing here, Sports Block Podcast. Uh, you know, the NFL draft was last month. And uh, we've waited a long time, but we finally got him back. Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast. Can't wait to hear your perspective of it. Jeff, how have you been? Have you been able to rest a little bit since the draft got done? Uh, yeah, uh, it's been nice actually, you know, to you know, see actually sit down and have dinner with my wife and kids. <laughs> um, you know, be able to you know make everything you because know, you always want to try to make everything you can with your kids. So uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been really nice in that aspect. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so we'll just kind of go through winners, losers, and um, you know surprise picks. And I have to imagine we'll start with a surprise pick right away. And uh, Baker Mayfield, number one. Now, when you and I talked, you know, with our mock draft, we thought that the Jets were going three. It didn't really seem like the Baker Mayfield uh, steam got picked up with the Browns until Wednesday night. Really, uh, it sounds like they were. That was their guy all along um shock value what uh what did you make of that pick or when you when you started hearing it what was the your initial reaction well from most of everything i've heard and everyone i've talked to in it seems like when everyone finally got to dallas the wednesday before the draft is kind of when everybody was you know getting clued in on that you know look guys if you think it's sam Darnold, it's not it's going to be baker mayfield that's when it probably started to break i'd say probably about 30 hours before um, and even all the guys who, you know, I talk with and they were like, look, man, I apologize. I was dead wrong. And for the Browns, I mean, they, they did the perfect job of hiding every aspect of it. You know, they were in no position where they had to keep it a secret. I'm sure the league, you know, obviously for the you know, TV and all those purposes, they wanted to keep a secret. Right. It's just the way John Dorsey chose to play it. And at the end of the day, you know, Baker Mayfield, you know, they, they came away enamored. And the thing with Baker Mayfield is, and, and where people and people I've talked to now, you know, associated with other teams is Baker Mayfield got into these quarterback rooms and these meetings with teams, and he showed every bit of the difference he is at twenty three year old, twenty three years old, as opposed to these other guys who are twenty one. You know, a lot more mature. You know, and as far as the job goes, uh, you know, it, what's entailed, the film work that needed to be done, and I think everybody just assumes he was so good, you know, because he was twenty three and had a ton of experience. No, but it is that he put he will put in the work and he will put in every drop of it. Now, there are comparisons to Johnny Manziel, of course. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield seems like a, a far better, a better person, better quarterback than Johnny Manziel. But because Manziel went to the Browns, there is some you know I'd say maybe consternation or some uh, maybe people are a little hesitant in, in buying in and selling or you know buying all in with him. Uh, what do you make of? Of that, did that? Do you think that obviously that didn't deter the Browns at all from picking him number one? Um, no, I, well, first things first, you got to keep in mind anybody who was in the building then isn't there now. Um, so you know, you you can't you know let a fan base say, oh well, he kind of reminds us. And, you know, you can't make your decision off of what your fan base is going to think or what your beat writers think. You right. got to take every guy individually. Um, Johnny Manziel. I mean, part of the problem with Johnny Manziel is is he didn't want to do the work. And this is kind of what people knew, and it was his first couple of practices, you know, his OTAs and his rookie minicamp with the Browns. He didn't know what was going on, and he couldn't call out formations. And, you know, you get drafted, the first time you meet with the team, you know, hello, congratulations, okay, here's your iPad, here's everything you're going to need to know in 10 days, we'll see you then, and, you know, 
Johnny didn't do that stuff. Right. Um, what Baker Mayfield showed in these meetings is he's going to do all that, and he's going to do even more. Uh, you know, he's going to put in the extra time. Um, you know, the comparisons, I kind of get it from, you know, short white quarterback, running around, can make some plays. But, you know, that's where it ends. That's where the comparisons end. Well, I mean, Haslam and maybe that homeless guy that told Haslam to pick Johnny Manziel might be the only people around the, the building there as well. <laughs> but, um, I mean, does it help, too, that Tyrod Taylor is there? He is the Browns' starting quarterback. That's what Hugh Jackson has said. But the running style, uh, they're both running quarterbacks. They can make the big throws. Does that help having the same style of quarterback that Baker Mayfield can learn from? Um, I, I don't know if I would say so much of the same styles because I think Baker Mayfield is a much more accurate passer than Tyrod Taylor is. Sure. Yep. Um, they're going to they're work with Todd Haley. The great thing about Todd Haley is, is Todd Haley knows how to use every piece of what he's got at his disposal, which a guy like Baker Mayfield, that's great for him because, you know, Baker, hey, you know, he's, you know, with Oklahoma, you know, he used a bunch of different players and a bunch of different weapons to succeed. So I think that works for him. I think what's going to help him most is uh, they also signed Drew Stanton, another veteran quarterback. This is a guy who's accustomed to being the backup role, accustomed to playing the kind of the guy who helps the kid along. So this way Tyrod Taylor can focus on playing each week and until you know he's eventually going to give that job up. But meanwhile, you know Drew Stanton can sit with you know Baker Mayfield. You know yep. not doesn't have the talent Baker does. But he's been in these quarterback rooms a lot long enough to realize, you know, Baker said, well, why can't we do this? You know, and he can sit down with him and say, well, this is the NFL. These safeties are faster. These linebackers can drop faster. You're not going to be able to make this throw on Sundays, even if you did on Saturdays. So certainly Baker was a surprise at one to many, at least, you know, starting Wednesday night. What were some of the other surprise picks that you th- thought of? You, know, you could pick any round. Uh, certainly, I would say, you know, the Rashad Penny pick by the Seahawks there, the running back out of San Diego State. That was kind of a jaw-dropper. How about Marcus Davenport? Uh, you know, the Saints trading up for him and trading a first-round pick to the Packers. I'm not a big fan of that. But what were some of the some of the surprise picks in your mind? Uh, what what did teams do that really made you go, huh, I never thought that was going to happen? Well, you know, Buffalo made a great selection of, you know, Edmonds, the linebacker to Virginia Tech. Yep. Pittsburgh. I did not know what you were thinking. I mean, here's a guy, and actually, the day after the draft, I went and I pulled 10 different draft guys. I'm like, all right, well, where did you have his brother? Because the Steelers took him in round one. I did not get a response from 10 people who had him as a top 100 player. And now the Pittsburgh Steelers put a top top 30 selection on him. That was one of the bigger head scratchers. Wow. Um, uh, you know, Arden Key, uh, he was a guy that just nobody had faith in. And now, what do the Raiders do? Yeah, sure, why not? We're signing 33-year-old veterans. Let's go sign a defensive end that nobody's got any faith in. Maurice Hurst, um, what I had heard going into day three was that you could probably bank on that 80% of the 32 teams selecting were not going to take him. That's how great the medical risk kind of is with Maurice Hurst. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, what do the Oakland Raiders do? Yeah, sure, we'll take him too. Um, whatever Oakland is doing, I, I mean, look, they've got a lot invested in John Gruden, and they think it's going to be a decade-long experience, but everything the Raiders are doing right now, it's just, you can't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, Puzzling, you know, to say I mean, the least. Exactly. I mean, you have Derek Carr, which is fantastic, but, I mean, there's a lot of question marks, and we've already just gone through a free agency cycle and gone through a draft. And you still look at the Raiders and say, "Man, what exactly? What exactly are you guys doing over there?" Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. 
like I, I mentioned, the Saints trading up, um, getting that. I, I thought that uh, another one of the the real uh, the great moments, uh, of course, Ryan Shazier walking across uh, the 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 platform there to make the Steelers selection in the first round there of, as you mentioned, uh, Edmonds safety from Virginia Tech. Uh, David Akers trolling the Cowboys fans. That was great. I hated the fact that Goddard went to Philadelphia, but it's an absolutely great uh, great spot for him. And I thought the Eagles, with the few selections that they had, they really hit a home run with, with a lot of their picks, including that guy, uh, the defense player out of Florida State. Um, yeah, well, I mean, what exactly? I mean, they don't need much. Look, uh, Philly, they're all in for this year. Um, if you look at their cap number already for 2019, I think they're like $60 million over for 19 so this is a look we're going to try to hopefully repeat here and then we realize we're going to have to break some stuff up Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh Sweat kept look the question with Josh Sweat medicals are is what kind of length of career can he have that's what everybody seems to keep coming back to now this could be something where we could all sit back in 7-8 years and laugh and say hey Josh Sweat's closing in on 80 career sacks and it may work out that way but you know what it is also not a lot of guys have had an injury like his so there was nobody else to point a finger to to say, you want to know what? Well, 33% of the guys who've had an injury like his, this is how far they've gone. So that's kind of what did sweat in, which kills me because, I mean, athletically he tested like a top 20 player. But, yes, the addition of Goddard, I mean, they just went out and, and, and they didn't need much. I mean, honestly, they probably didn't need anything. I mean, if any team could have sat out the 2018 draft, it was probably the Philadelphia Eagles. Right. But you bring in Dallas Goddard, oh, my God. I mean, what they got going on right now. And also you keep in mind, you're still getting back Carson Wentz. Yep. So everything they did, you know, from the end of the regular season through the playoffs, that was fantastic. You know, and with Nick Foles. Now you're going to bring in a guy that was drafted number two overall. You're going to bring him back to the fold who was playing like an MVP until the time he got hurt. I mean, oof. It's, you know, scary times in the NFC. I mean, there are some good teams. Obviously, a Super Bowl champion can easily flounder. But, you know, Philly's in a, in a solid, solid situation right now. Uh, you know their division rival, the Giants. I thought the Giants did a very good job, at least with their first two picks. Saquon Barkley is immediately going to help the offense. You got Will Hernandez there who can help uh, shore up that offensive line. What did you make of the Giants? I actually, you know, as much as I had had, you know, been poking fun, and part of it is, is the Giants did me wrong. I mean, I can, I thought the Giants going into the 18 regular season, I thought they were going to be a solid, solid team, I, I and I never. I. I never saw a plane come out of the sky faster like the New York Giants did. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, the, the Barkley selection. Yeah, look, I, drafting a running back at number two. I mean, a number one, you're putting a lot on the kid. A number two, you got to have all the pieces in place to make that look like a good selection. Well, you know, the offensive line. Everybody, well, this is a bad, bad offensive line. All right, we dropped a ton of free agent money on Nate Solder. We got ourselves a left tackle. We drafted Barkley at two, and what happened? The beautiful fortune of Will Hernandez dropping to their selection in round two. Boom. I've got my left side of the offensive line. I signed a friend center in free agency. Guess what? No more jokes about the offensive line. We're ready to go. Uh, they also added Lorenzo Carter out of Georgia. Yes. Here's a guy, uh, athletically, looks like he should be a dominant pass rusher. Um, I didn't show a lot of that at Georgia, but you know, ridiculously freak athlete. If you get him in a position where maybe you can just cut him loose and maybe let him learn on the fly, you got to think athleticism sometimes wins over knowledge. And it's a possibility for them, but no, New York Giants had a had a very solid draft. I'm not, you know, I don't see them contending for the NFC East crown, but I think things are look a heck of a lot better right now than they than it did week 16, week 17, when there was just a you know 
a broken down bus trying to find the finish line. Bryson, it's amazing what a new uh, head coaching regime also can do. Uh, Certainly Giants fans feeling good about their uh, future. Uh, If you could give one or two teams that just overall won the draft, I know it's it's a month after and, you know, we need to let these – these draft classes play out a couple of years, but if you could pick two teams that you came away most impressed with, impressed with, who would they be? That is a good one. Um, (laughs) I will, I I, I, I probably, I will put the giants in there because that is one class I like, and I know I was extremely hard on them. I think they put themselves in a position. Look, I, you know, do I think they probably should have emphasized the quarterback position more for where they were drafting? Yes, I do think they should have done that, but look, you know, if they want to think that Eli Manning's got two to three more years, that's fantastic. I don't believe it, but I think they certainly do. Uh, you know, but I do like what the Giants did because here's a franchise that doesn't say, "Look, we're, you know, we realize we're in a two, three year, you know, pattern before things get better." The Giants don't think that way. Every year, it's you know, let's put ourselves in the best position to see what damage we can do this year. And I do think they did that. Uh, so some other teams. Whew, all right. Uh, I guess I'll go back to my Browns because I think what it is is I think they hit on what they needed. Um, you know, as far as the Mayfield selection, fantastic. Um, and, and talking with some Cleveland people, what may you know Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb, which seemed like an odd selection. Yes, but yep. you looked at what they did. They basically, you know, they went into their cornerback room, cornerback room, and basically threw everybody out the door. Uh, they went and signed uh, four guys. And all these guys are kind of in the middle of who's going to be a number two, who's going to be a number three, who's going to be a number four. The one thing that was lacking from that cornerback group was, all right, where is your alpha dog here? Who's your cornerback number one? They went, drafted a kid who grew up on the outskirts of Cleveland, knows the team. He was was a Browns fan growing up. He knows how dire the situation is, and he was all for being a part of the solution. So Denzel Warden, beautiful selection there. Austin Corbett. Um you're not going to replace Joe Thomas. You're just not going to do it unless nope. you can play three left tackles like week in, week out. Right. <laughs> but what it is is they found themselves and they got themselves in a position with their offensive line where right now they have 11 guys and they're going to slowly whittle it down. It'll get down to nine and it'll get down to seven. And then it's going to be, all right, well, we're going to find a way. Whatever the five best offensive linemen in this room are, that's who's going to play the offensive line. We're going to figure out and we'll, dig, you know, we'll give you your positions later. But whoever proves to be the five best offensive linemen in this room will be our starting offensive line. Corbett gives you flexibility there. He can play left tackle. He can play inside. Uh, you know, he's done a little work at center. So he can go in anywhere. So you, they have, they've done a nice job there. The Nick Chubb selection, that was one that actually, uh, a Friday morning of round two, all the steam picked up. And look, Nick Chubb is going today. It's going extremely high. Um, I had reached out to a couple of people. And I said, you know, Cleveland's got to be this. And everybody kind of gave me the, you know, the wink, never said anything, wink, wink. Right. And, you know, so Nick Chubb going there. But the thing I like about Nick Chubb, total professional in how he handles himself, uh, you know, works hard, um, just comes with, you know, comes ready to go. I mean, there's nothing you're going to worry about. Whatever play you call, he's not going to freelance. You know, if the play got you know, was there to get five yards, he'll get five, maybe he'll get six. He's not going to ad lib and cost you negative yards because you know he tried to get flashy. He's just not that type of guy. Antonio Callaway is an interesting selection, and this is one that we saw coming a million miles away. Mm-hmm. John Dorsey every year will gamble his, a draft pick on a couple or two problem childs. 
Um, Antonio Callaway went to Cleveland on a visit. You knew they had interest. Uh, the, the thing for me was I was pretty much all the way out. Uh, you know, you wanted to give the kid, you know, a past look. You were dumb. You were poor. You grew up poor. You did some stupid things. But then he went and, you know, failed the piss test at the combine. You're just like, ah, dude, you know, I, I was out. But I knew it was coming. So that was a nice selection. I mean, it was a nice selection because here's a guy that you can take now. Hasn't played ball in a year and a half. So there's some rawness to him. And if he mm-hmm. comes in and he's willing to learn, you can kind of mold him into what you need him to be. But I, they backed that up with a day three selection of Damian Ratley, a wide receiver out of Texas A&M. Damian actually got to have come on my show. He came on. We talked 25 minutes. And here's a guy now 23 years old. And it was weird because Damian, you know, kid up, grew up in Texas, played high school ball there. Wasn't a huge recruit. And, you know, I got to talk to him. And I was like, well, you know, kind of explain that to me. And he's like, well, you know, he's like, I never did the camps. He's like, I didn't do the seven on sevens. He's like, I went to one of the smaller high school programs in Texas. So here's a guy at 23, didn't get much playing, you know, went one year junior college ball, ended up at A&M. They weren't calling his number early. Then, you know, as the coaching staff realized they were going to get fired, you know, midway through their senior year, they started calling Damian's number. And he, uh, you know, had some big games against LSU. Uh, everybody else in the SEC, the latter part of that year, you know, was catching touchdown passes, taking tunnel screens, getting open big on the deep balls, and just looked really good doing it. And getting to talk to this kid, you know, it has his college degree already. You know, he, he, he understands that a guy like him is a six-round pick. He might have to, he's going to have to play some special teams. It was just a great selection because here is a guy, he's athletically, he tested off the boards. So you may have a late bloomer here. But, you know, the kid is going to give you everything he needs. He, you know, he's not going to fail because he didn't give you what was asked to do. He's going to come in. And this is a wide receiver core where you have Corey Coleman, who's got injury questions. Josh Gordon obviously always has, you know, eligibility questions. Now, you've drafted an Antonio Callaway, another guy with eligibility, eligibility questions. Here's a guy in, you know, Damian Ratley who's going to toe the line. And any one of these guys screws up, he's going to be ready to go and take, you know, jump in and, t- you know, catch some balls. On the flip side, there's always another side. Uh, there are no doubt some losers coming out of the draft. Now, they can all prove us wrong here within a couple of years, but who are a couple of teams that you thought uh, really missed the mark with their draft picks? Uh, number one, first and foremost, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I, I, I can't continue enough to say I, I don't know what the plan is there. And look, John Gruden, I understand you've been a game away from the game as long as you were, but you needed to get some guys in there who've been around it you know, we maybe bring some fresh blood into the building, you know, and, and have a little trust in these guys because, oof, I mean, there was a lot of screw the pooch picks from them. I, I just don't really understand so much as to what their overall game plan was. The Dallas Cowboys, I, I don't, I didn't see a lot of thunder in any of the selections they made. Um, so they're one where, you know, it, it's still now was, well, maybe it could be this guy. Maybe it could be that guy. You can't be saying this as we're, you know, uh, you know, six weeks away from training camp. Uh, so you, they they were another one where I just I just could not understand what the Dallas Cowboys were doing. Cincinnati Bengals, I kind of like some of what they did, but there's another team now. You got a head coach that's been there, you know, 13, 14 years, however long Marvin Lewis has been there. Mm-hmm. It's it, there was nothing flashy about it. There was nothing that gave you resignation of you know even if you you know most likely Marvin Lewis is going to be moved on from this year. They did nothing to make the team more appealing to any guy that they want to come in and bring in to coach the team. So. They were another one where it just it just didn't do it for me. And the thing with Dallas too, you know, you heard the the news about Witten. Oh, he's probably going to retire. They were going to try and talk him out. But when Dallas Goddard kept falling to him, I like, okay, he's going to get to pick fifty. And the the moment the Eagles 
went up to 49s. Like, they sniped them and just took the all the thunder out. Because I have to imagine, now, they said, they're going to put the spin on it saying, oh, yeah, we were always going to draft Connor Williams out of Texas. And, and, and maybe they were, but I don't buy it. If Dallas Goddard's there, Jerry Jones has a flair for the dramatics, how about drafting a tight end named Dallas? He was named Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys. The the draft is there at Cowboys Stadium. I have to imagine they were going to take him, so it's a great pick there by the Eagles to get ahead of Dallas for that. Oh, and you got to love it because, you know, here is a team, Dallas, for years, that they were the ones doing these things to everybody else. Mm-hmm. And right now the Eagles, it, it's like the Eagles are almost counting cards. They are ahead of everybody by one step. And you want to know what? i got to get here because that next card, that is the ace of spades, and that's the card that's needed. The Eagles right now are just clicking on all cylinders from players to coaches to front office personnel. Um, they're going to get sniped after this season. A lot, a lot of people are going to get taken out of that organization because they deserve bigger and better roles. But hey, you know, one Super Bowl, one Lombardi, that's all that matters. But right. you know, people are going to start picking apart the Philadelphia roster. No doubt about it. Well, Jeff, I appreciate all the time that you've given us here this uh, this year. It's always great talking draft. Always take or always great talking prospects with you and everything. Uh, enjoy the summer, and I'm sure we'll be talking again in the fall. Uh, looking forward to college football and yet another NFL draft right around the corner. Thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, have a great day. Take care of yourself, Nathan. Only about 90-so days away for, for college football. So That's exactly ready. right. Yep. Get, get ready. <laughs> All right. Best of luck to you and the family, Nathan. Thank you. You too, Jeff. Jeff Lloyd II from Lockdown Browns Podcast. Appreciate his time and perspective as always. Great stuff there. Can't say enough about just what a great job he does. Um, so that'll put a wrap on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Uh, you can always find the Sports Block Sports Block Podcast available on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Also, follow me on Twitter at NDStacken. Also, on Facebook, Nathan Stacken. So, hope you enjoyed this week's edition. We'll have another couple weeks here. Maybe take a few weeks off throughout the summer. We'll see. But, you know, I had to do one here for Memorial Day. You have the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Final going on starting here soon. I mean, just great stuff. Uh, and then we kind of get into a lull in summer, and that's where maybe uh, cer- certainly the podcast will be shorter. But uh, we'll see what happens there. So, again, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. And we'll be back next week. NBA Finals Talk, Stanley Cup Final Talk. We'll see what else happens as well. Plenty to get to, plenty to talk about, as always, in the world of sports. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken reminding you to join us next week here for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week.